0: podcast we discuss all things photo video and camera related i'm ben lucas
1: and i'm stuart marlantis
0: and this is photo op hello hello how are you doing today
1: doing well i think we're gonna talk about something fun today aren't we
0: yeah we have had a string of business and philosophy ish and money and very tactical kind of hands-on in the dirt grindy stuff uh, today we're gonna talk about some real fun gear we're gonna talk about lenses we're going to talk about uh what what should you buy let's let's talk about buying stuff and spending some of that money
1: <laughs> I think this was a listener question actually right
0: it is. So uh, I will start by saying I get a question all the time. And the question is, what lens should I buy? And uh, the I have a huge issue with that question. My huge issue with that question is, I don't know you. I don't know your life. That's like asking me, what car should you buy? I don't know what's better for you, a pickup truck or a smart car. They are two very different cars for two very different people and lifestyles. So without having more information... I have no idea what to tell you. But one of those pieces of information that you can give me is the thing that you are actually trying to shoot. Mm-hmm. So uh, one specific listener question I got was from Rachel. Rachel asked, what is your lens of choice for shooting weddings? So we are going to answer that. First off is weddings, but we picked kind of 10 genres of photography. Mm-hmm. And we are going to list our our top choice if you could only buy one lens. that genre and then if you can buy a second lens a good runner-up um and we're gonna we're gonna battle it out and give give our opinions on these 10 different genres of photography uh so the intro really quick uh our list is going to be weddings portraits street photography sports photography automotive photography macro wildlife landscapes astro and architecture so one caveat that I have for this list is that what I personally would shoot with is not necessarily going to be my advice for this list. So for weddings, I personally use a 7200 and a 20 prime most of the day, and then the rest of my gear bag is just primes. If you are asking advice for you, that's because I can very quickly switch out my lenses. Uh, I have all my lenses on me at all times, and I know exactly what I can do with all of these lenses. If you are new enough that you have to ask the question, what lens should I get? Then my advice is for you at that level. If you've already been shooting cars for years and you have a style, uh, these are the lenses that you use. Awesome. But if you're asking the question, what lens should I get? I'm assuming you're near that beginner stage. So that's going to be the advice if that, if that
1: makes sense. Yep, definitely. Yeah, these are all, um, I think, generally our, our best take at uh, for beginners or near beginners at a good starting point lens uh, or lenses for all these different genres.
0: All right, so let's dive right into it. Without further ado, I do like doing further ado on all these episodes, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, weddings. Uh, what should you shoot a wedding with uh, if you could only have one lens? Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I shoot ninety percent of my shots with a seventy two hundred, but I think if you could only have one lens, I would say twenty four seventy, and then my second lens would be the seventy two
1: hundred. Um, I agree. I mean, the 70 to 200, you're kind of, you're kind of paying to be able to stay at a distance. The 70, uh, the 24 to 70, um, you can get, uh, many similar shots. You just have to be closer in. You have to, uh, zoom with your feet, so to speak. So I think if you only had to do one, having that, um, that wide, uh, that wide range that you can't get with the 70 to 200 is, probably where i would stick with as well yeah. so
0: when when i'm shooting weddings i shoot a ton of wide shots mm-hmm. with my 70 to 200 i just stand mm-hmm. back and i zoom out to 70 and i get that wide shot but then i'm able to snap zoom really mm-hmm. quickly into the 200 and get the shot i need uh 24 to 70 you're gonna have a lot harder time staying out of the couple's way and being an unobtrusive wedding photographer trying to get a tight shot at 70 you're gonna have to get pretty close uh um but you are going to miss so much more of the wedding day being in that crowded bridal suite while they're getting ready um this you know the dancing all these small intimate moments you need to have that wider lens yeah. so i would say if you only have one get the 70 24 uh, 70 or and the other caveat with this list is obviously if you shoot a different brand or i think what's the Tamron version
1: of this Uh, the Tamron is a 28 to 75. So when we say 24 to 70, we mean anything roughly (laughs) in that range. It depends on your, your brand and your manufacturer of lens. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. So, so those are the two that I I would go with. Mm -hmm. Um, oh,
1: and these are 35 mil equivalent, um, by the way. So if you're shooting on a crop or micro four thirds, or you're shooting on medium format, in which case, why are you here? You have enough (laughs) money to buy all these lenses. Um, these are what we're, what we're uh, telling you today is equivalent to a 35 uh, millimeter body.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, so even though I love prime lenses and my kit is decked out in prime lenses, that is not what I would recommend for a wedding because, mm. uh, when you're just starting out, you need to be very quickly and reliably be able to capture the moment. You can't be caught changing lenses you can't yeah. be caught having the wrong one on and missing that moment you uh i i am a huge proponent for zooming with your feet mm-hmm. but if you're a beginner shooting weddings just just get the zoom lens mm-hmm. make sure you get the shot and then get better at getting a better shot later but by not missing it by having the wrong lens on so that just kind of gives you the whole sweet from 24 to 200. So that just Mm -hmm. covers all your bases.
1: Yeah, for sure. Although if you are going to shoot primes, uh, the next two uh, categories we have are very prime focused. uh, Oh yeah. So,
0: so portraits, Mm -hmm. um, the very first lens that everybody gets is a 50 mil. Um, I don't like a 50 mil. I don't. Um, I think 50 mils are great. If you have a crop sensor, if you have an aspc um the reason why i say that is because it will crop to 85 mm-hmm. but if you are shooting if you upgrade your camera to a full frame sense 35 mm sensor and you're still shooting 50 with that same depth of field you're getting that bubble head effect where their nose is really big and it's just a little too close in too distorted um so i w- i would shoot at 85. Um, yeah. I, I love primes. I love having that big depth of field. Um,
1: yeah, yeah f- 50s, uh, just too close. Nifty 50s are cheap and cheerful. And that's kind of, I think, your second choice for portraiture, especially on a full frame sensor. Um, but really where you need to be for portraiture is an 85. So if you're going to pick one 85, if you can't afford an 85, or if you have a 50 and that's just where you are for now, um, fifties will do the job, um, but they'll do a much better job on either a crop sensor, um, or, uh, they'll certainly be, uh, be overtaken by an 85 on any full frame.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think what I would use the 54 if those were the only two lenses I had for portraits mm-hmm. are, um, either when I'm trying to do more environmental stuff. So I want to get a little bit wider and show, um, like, Hey, this is a business person in an office Mm -hmm. or this is a rancher on their, on their farm and get a little more sky and clouds and stuff like that. Um, 50 is also, if you go like this, that 50 is what your eye sees Mm -hmm. more or less. You kind of see at that, um, maybe a little bit wider. So some people say that 35 is actually closer, but uh, 50 is generally your perspective and your point of view. So the other thing that I really like it for is I shoot 99% of my boudoir with a 50 mil. Um, one, usually I am shooting at their, uh, home so that we can use their bedroom. So the photos are intimate to them, uh, which means that it's usually small and cramped and I couldn't get away with an 85. <laughs> um, but also a little bit of that wide angles distortion makes it feel like your field of view. So the photos feel more intimate cause it makes you feel like you're there and very close in the personal per- personal space of that person. Versus shooting that for, like, a business headshot of, like, no, I'm too close. Back back me up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why I like the 85 better, generally.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Street photography. So this one is um, a little bit, I, I think, has a little bit more variance in, uh, in opinions industry-wide. Um, for me, personally, I think the 35 is where you should at least start in street photography. Um, I can see that. Reason being is it's not so ultra wide that things are super distorted. It still kind of approaches the compression of of something closer to portraits or your field of view at the very least. But it's wide enough that if you're shooting in the street, if you're trying to catch uh, a moment, um, it gives you that extra wiggle room in the frame to catch that when something a little bit... Uh, closer in like a 50 might miss the shot. So that's kind of my idea behind a 35. It's also wide enough that you can get away with um, shooting, uh, th- shooting a, a greater field of view in the frame, like more of a building, maybe not an entire building at 35, but but more of the environment along with a subject. Um, so it's a pretty, I personally really like 35 mils. I think it's a really fun, uh, really versatile, um, place to be at in lenses and so i think for street that's probably where i would go i generally agree with that advice having something small
0: compact prime uh Mm -hmm. makes you less obtrusive while you're doing street as well as having something that is closer to that point of view Mm -hmm. Um, my favorite street photographer is actually jay mazel and I know that he likes shooting with these uh, very long lenses uh, mm-hmm. with incredibly high uh, shutter speeds, so he can really stop all of that action. Um, so I think he uses like a 70 to 300, just mm-hmm. all in one. So 70 is his wide and 300. He can really get those interesting details, which I think where where 35 mil fails in street photography is its wide angle. So it shows you everything and it lacks focus yeah where a lot of street photographers i think the biggest problem that street photographers have is a lack of subject Mm -hmm. in their photography what are you taking a photo of well i thought it was interesting what's interesting about it who's the main subject what's the main subject Mm -hmm. um some people do that really really well but i think when you're starting out it's difficult to isolate the interesting part of a scene Mm -hmm. where kind of standing back and using those more telephoto lenses um can help with that so yeah, I think 35, 50 maybe, but like getting a 70 to 300 um, really helps you isolate the interesting parts, and it also if you find it interesting, seeing it it makes you wait for that moment.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, this uh, like I said right at the beginning, street is has such a variance of style and uh, even philosophy around it um, that this will be this will really you'll probably find what you want to shoot, uh, or your style of street really quickly. Um, but if you're starting from nothing, I would tend to start wider and then really quickly start exploring other options. Maybe you don't even, maybe you're buying, like, let's say not a a 7,300, maybe you're buying a 70 to 200 for other reasons. You might just pop that on your camera and try shooting street photography with it and see how that feels to you. If, if, uh, if that longer, um range is helpful for your photography there so uh definitely with street experiment a lot um there are almost no real right answers
0: yeah i i think 35 is a good place to start but i think Mm. i think kind of differing opinions on what the lens lens number two should be for sure Uh, um it's something that i
1: don't shoot very often something else i don't shoot very often sports (laughs) Sports. I mean, this is all about about uh, Zoom, pretty much. <laughs> like how oh yeah. Close so can you get to. It? So I
0: I have a seventy two hundred, mm-hmm. and the issue with that and shooting sports is two hundred literally is just not long enough. Yeah. So uh, if you already own one, maybe getting a teleconverter. But if you're like, hey, what lens should I get? Well, if you're a doctor or a lawyer, again, why are you listening to this show? I feel flattered. But <laughs> um, uh, like a two hundred to four hundred, Zoom. Like that—that yeah. that is your your king of sports lens. If that's too expensive, uh, maybe like a 300 millimeter mm-hmm. zoom, um, 400 if you really want to get a little bit tighter. Um, but yeah, that's definitely where you start because you're trying to get way down there. Um, lens number two, I think, would be something on the wide end. Um, so that you can get all the stadiums you can get you know the referee who was right next to you or the ball mm-hmm. that gets thrown right next to you yeah. um or the team where coming that 400 the field. can't do it oh yeah. yeah for sure
1: yeah those those kind of moments of the crowd the team not in play um that would be a, a, a wider zoom would be perfect for that yeah,
0: yeah the the victory celebration when yeah, you're holding the camera stuff. above your head type mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. um so uh, I, I love my 20 mil, um, but I think something like twenty four seventy, uh, mm-hmm. so that you can get in a, a little bit closer if you need to on those wide-angle areas
1: would be good. Yeah, for sure. Uh, something that I also basically never shoot, automotive. <laughs> why are we talking about all these
0: things we never shoot?
1: Because <laughs> we did the research for our listeners. That's why. to be fair i've actually shot street and sports um i just don't make a habit of doing it nowadays
0: yeah i've shot for ferrari and mercedes i wouldn't call myself a car (laughs) photographer though
1: so automotive long Uh, stories
0: on both of those oh boy
1: (laughs) (laughs) um i think similarly with automotive you're starting with a wider a wider zoom um if you're starting from nothing, you're going to want a little bit more flexibility in what you're shooting. You're going to want to get you know close but really wide. You're going to want to be able to um, stand back and get a little bit more compression on the narrower narrower end. So I think a a uh, you know that kind of wider but really more like medium range twenty four to seventy ish zoom is probably where you should start with automotive.
0: Yeah. Um. I I would actually. Almost disagree with you. Mm-hmm. Um I don't actually think wider is better for cars. If yeah. you get too wide and you're not really seeing the car, I think mm-hmm. all of my favorite car photography shots are shot more telephoto. Um yeah. but if I were to actually look up what lens was used, it's probably, you know, closer to that 50 to 70 yeah. type range where it's more eye perspective, which is telephoto-ish for Most people think, oh, I have to use my, my 20 or my 24, Mm -hmm. but I think really zooming in on those details, the absolute, my favorite car photography is not actually showing the whole car, Mm -hmm. but it is showing, showing like the logo or the headlights or, you know, those, those moments that kind of emote from a car mm-hmm. um if that makes sense so so you do you don't get that with a 24 no you get that by kind of narrowing in on those details
1: yeah yeah or uh as you say with details you could go the macro direction with automotive there's some really cool stuff uh, you know a uh, one that you see actually fairly frequently, but I still like is like uh, at night uh, in the rain, you've got water, like a macro of water drops on a, uh, a headlight, you know, stuff like that, where it's, it's kind of neon, it's very, um, uh, it has that kind of industrial feel. And that is pretty much all ex- shot exclusively with macros. Um, so there is some, certainly some uh, options for macro in automotive photography
0: yeah um for for further reading if you're interested in automotive photography definitely look up tim wallace uh i honestly cannot name a second automotive photographer he's just the best that i know of he's the only one i know of but he's real good so um every, pretty much everything i know about cars i learned from him i'm not a car guy so uh definitely check him out if that's a genre of photography. Um, Uh, I I know that, like, he used to shoot with Hasselblad, but uh, I'm sure he has some classes out there with 35 millimeter equivalents.
1: Yeah. And now the most uh, self-explanatory category of this whole list, macro photography. What do you shoot with? (laughs) uh
0: i'm pretty sure you shoot with a macro lens a macro lens. okay so let's there are some lenses that say you can shoot macro and they are not macro lenses Mm. so so what is the like technical definition of what makes a lens macro
1: the technical definition well really it's a question of of uh working distance and the amount of magnification on the lens so the specifics of this don't really matter too much but basically a true macro lens you can work within a certain distance of the front element of the lens ideally is as close as you can get away with Um, and uh and generally you're shooting for a two to one or greater level of of magnification um, I I, th- I think the definition of what makes a lens macro is mm.
0: one-to-one magnification yeah. or greater. Um, but the thing is, there will be some lenses that are one-to-two, yeah. which means not quite macro that still market themselves as a macro lens. So mm-hmm. so before you pull the trigger on a macro lens, definitely do a little bit of research on yeah. what that magnification is, mm-hmm. um, because there are some that are not true... Uh, macro lenses the other thing that you, you kind of hit on is mm. minimum focus distance mm. if a lens has a minimum focus distance of three feet generally chances are it is not a macro lens even no. if it claims to be um so like i have sh- tried to shoot small things with my 7200 it does not work mm. there's just way too much minimum focus distance there um i have i think once I forgot my macro lens on a shoot uh, when I, I really early on when I had to shoot weddings, and so I kind of made it work with a fifty mil, just getting as close as I could, and then cropping in post a little bit. But it was not not nearly the same.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, a true. a a true macro lens again after some research is really where you need to be um one-to-one as you said is kind of the baseline but if you could shoot if or if your budget allows for like a two to one or greater that is really the ideal for macro um there are so many different macro options that it's hard to really pick one um i personally yeah, hundred mil is hundred mil is like the standard. Um, that is,
0: yeah, that's like the standard. It, um, it, it gets you a very specific perspective, though. Yeah, it it yeah. gets re. It's not like you're close to the object. It's like you're looking through a microscope and you're you're seeing the object very closely. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I can't wait someday to buy. um a wide angle uh, macro. (laughs) I know what you're going to (laughs) say. So there are some, there are a few different Lawa lenses. Lawa is uh, an awesome company that just makes stuff. It's a weird company, but I love them so much. They make stuff that nobody else makes. Um, One of theirs is this like 20, I think it's a 24 mil uh, probe lens, um, which is basically a wide angle, weird macro. It looks like a stick that you just like attach to the end of your camera. Um, That's really cool. They also have, I think it's a 50 mil wide-angle macro, um, which is a little more of a traditional lens, but uh, they make some really, really cool macro stuff. The wide-angle macros are neat because you can get more of the environment around the subject. You still get that macro where you get that, that super... Um, high detail, you know magnification, but uh, the wide angles really let you give some context to the subject so i
0: I, I think the really the good. kind of verbal example would be if you're shooting like a bee resting in a flower, yeah, a hundred mil macro will show you that one flower, mm-hmm. whereas a wide angle macro will focus on that flower, but show you the field of flowers, yeah yeah um so even though you're very close to that 1b and the perspective will show you the one flower you're gonna see all the other flowers behind it so it's just a very different look and a very different feel
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so macros 100 mil do some research um but if you really like that space in general i would start looking at wide angle um lawa does a lot and... of
0: stuff where they're it, they have some lenses too that aren't technically macros but they have mm-hmm. such a close focusing distance they might as well be but you can use them as macros yeah
1: this this episode is not sponsored by lawa by the way we just like nope. lawa's although lawa
0: <laughs> if you want to sponsor us we really want that probe lens
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh boy please uh... i want that probe lens uh, so yeah, macro, there you go. Macro is a, a little bit of a weird one, a little bit self-explanatory, but there are some complications there that you should
0: yeah, check Yeah, definitely look into those tech specs before you pull the trigger mm-hmm. on a macro lens. So definitely. if you're not shooting bees and you're shooting something quite a bit larger, uh, wildlife photography.
1: Yeah. So this one's pretty fun. Um, pretty much with wildlife, it kind of follows sports. Yeah. Um, you could do, I tend to go in the direction of you should go with like a 100 to 400 instead of a 200 to 400. Um, you, that gives you a little bit uh, more room for stuff that's, you want to be a little bit wider, that you're a little bit physically closer to the subject. It really depends on what you're shooting. Like if you're shooting birds, you pretty much want the longest, fastest lens you can yeah, afford. Yeah, like a 400 prime so like would be. A 400 great. prime. Um, would be the way to go. I For a beginner, I would say... A, that's expensive, though. <laughs> that's expensive. I would say a 100 to 400 if you can pull it off. Um, if you can't pull off that cost, then a, a 70 to 200, ideally with a teleconverter, but really a 200 oh, is yeah. not enough. But a 70 to 200 with a teleconverter will get you some pretty darn good results for your money. Um, but really, you should try to go do a 100 to 400, 200 to 400, or a 400 Prime. Um, that's really the way to go but yeah wildlife like sports as long and and as fast as you can realistically afford, it will afford it will take all your money uh the the only
0: (laughs) wildlife photography i shoot and i say this jokingly are proposals (laughs) 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 where where i i set up in my hideout Mm -hmm. and i'm just i'm just waiting for for nature to take its course Mm uh no but i i for that because I don't shoot wildlife mm-hmm. but I do a fair number of these surprise proposals um because I already had the lenses it was much cheaper and much easier for me to buy a teleconverter for my 7200 yeah. um which now turns it into a 140 to 400
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and I can get some surprisingly good uh photos out of that uh the one caveat with getting a teleconverter versus a real lens is you're losing a little bit of that quality um yeah. It, it makes it a little bit fuzzier. I will say that the quality is still better than getting a 70 to 200 and cropping it because I'd yeah. ru- much rather have it be a little bit fuzzy rather than a little bit pixelated.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. It's just so much, so much better to have an image that's like slightly soft than like, oh, this image has been cropped and killed by Facebook compression type look. Yeah. Uh, um cropping is never
1: a replacement for for even the cheaper end of this of adding glass which is a teleconverter (laughs) yeah i
0: i do have a lens that uh i kind of bought as a joke because it was on sale for i think
1: like twenty dollars can you guess what lens uh, I can guess, but I think it's probably a mirror lens.
0: Yes, it is a mirror <laughs> lens. Uh, so if you're not familiar with mirror lenses, they look super freaking weird. They are fixed aperture; you cannot change it. They are mm-hmm. fixed focal length; you cannot change that. So it's, I think, a 500 millimeter f8 yep. mirror lens, and it's got this dot in the center of the lens, just because the optics kind of like go around it. It's just a very mm-hmm. weird construction but it's they a work. cheap construction. They
1: work. Yeah, they work kind of like telescopes. Um they're they're manufactured in a, a very similar way. They're cheap but they work. They make really weird uh bokeh is like it turns into like little donuts almost. <laughs> but it does. It's yeah. it is it is
0: odd looking. Um I did a test on the street signs across the street with it where I took my 70 to 200 uh and then cropped it in post and then mm. I took my 500 mil and cropped it in post. And they were nearly identical when I cropped my mm-hmm. 70s 200 to my 500 because the quality was just that bad mm-hmm. um, that even cropping it that much gave me an almost identical image quality. So I bought it like for funsies, and mm-hmm. I think I brought it with me to like one baseball game once upon a time because I could sneak that one in past security where a full to 200 I can't. It's also like a third of the size. Mm-hmm. It's a real small lens. Um so I mean they're they're fun and they're crazy cheap, yeah, uh, I think you can buy one brand new for like a hundred bucks or something like that. Yeah, they're, they're not expensive cheap. lenses. they're not good either, but i mean if if you need that distance and you're just if you're a beginner or if you're a parent who's buying this for your kid so you don't know how serious they are about it and you don't have a lot to invest yet, you can still like get them this lens and they can learn on it
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's uh, not
0: a bad route to go. It's a very inexpensive route to go.
1: Yeah, they and they also are universally manual lenses. So that's another thing is uh it, if you're shooting wildlife, sometimes you'll you'll want that uh that uh autofocus and uh a mirror lens will not give you autofocus. Nope. That being said, they're you know, they're like I said with uh, nifty 50s, they're cheap they're and they They're like cheerful. a couple bucks. <laughs> yeah, they're they're fun. Um <laughs> But really the budget option should be no lower than I think a seventy to two hundred in a teleconverter. Um, I agree. Wholeheartedly. But... I,
0: I say I say the mirror lens is like a joke because I oh, own yeah. one. Uh which again, if you're a student sure, <laughs> or if you've got if you've got it's like the cost of like a high end dinner. Like yeah. what other lens can you get for that cheap? You can't. Mm-hmm. Um except in cheap nifty fifty. I will say, though, that when I upgraded my Nifty 50 from the cheap plastic 1.8 to the better-constructed 1.4, it felt better to use. The autofocus was way snappier. And the images were, like, marginally better. They weren't so much better that I would say, like, oh, absolutely. But, like, it just quality of life with that lens was just better.
1: For sure. The opposite end of the spectrum, landscapes. Oh, we talked about shooting long. Now, yeah. now landscapes, we're shooting wide. Yeah, landscapes, I mean, it's it's a story of what wide zoom is available in your uh, particular body or manufacturer of choice that you like. Get that one. So um, in my case, it's uh, like I have a Tamron um, 17 to 28 for Sony uh, that I really like. That's perfect for, for landscapes. It's pretty fast at uh, 2.8. Um, you can get primes that are super wide, mm-hmm. um, that are plenty fast. Yeah, the uh, yeah.
0: the the Canon one in that range would be the sixteen thirty five, I believe. Yeah. Uh, they also have a seventeen to forty that costs a little bit less because I think that one's f four instead of two eight. Yeah, um, yeah. I I actually had a giant honkin. Um, Sigma lens that was the equivalent of that but the thing is it was so front heavy and ridiculous I never wanted to carry it with me to any of my shoots it took up too much space in my bag Uh, it had this giant bulbous front element that I couldn't properly put a lens cap on that was prone to getting scratched or damaged so I actually um I rented, I went to Iceland and rented a 20 mil because I'm like, no way am I bringing that. And as soon as I got back from Iceland, I said, at no point in time did I, mi- like, yeah, I lost a few millimeters on the wide end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. and- but at no time did I feel, oh darn, I wish I could zoom in a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: So I just sold that wide angle one and just went, and and that's the one that I have now. So uh, my wide angle is a 20 prime. Mm-hmm. It's super cheap. It's super small. It's just easy to use and carry versus what those zoom lenses are going to give you really big front elements.
1: Yeah, although I'll say the the 1728 is not too bad. It is it is it is hefty, but it's not terrible. Uh, primes are going to be way smaller, the, way easier to pack up a mountain. <laughs> I
0: exaggerate a little bit, but the 1635 mm. was like the size of my head. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's huge. Yeah. Um, yeah, so wide. But yeah, it also zooms, depends. Like, is is your landscape like you drive up to a public park and shoot landscapes, or you go out backpacking and mm-hmm. now you're at the top of a mountain and shoot a landscape?
1: Yeah, every pound matters then. Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, I I so so whatever wide prime, but if you could get a second lens for landscape, I would actually advise like an eighty-five. So if you see, uh, there is something beautiful about getting that kind of compression. I almost want to say 50, but I like having something that is slightly more compressed and more condensed than your eye view. Cause it feels more artistic or cinematic. So if you get like that mountain and kind of all these mountains with like a path, just kind of going up type of thing. Uh, something that is not showing all of the brush and garbage and everything—you just find this one interesting element of a landscape. Um, I love that, and it's very hard to to isolate a single element with a wide.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a lot of people uh don't look at um at telephoto lenses or, or or portrait lenses like an eighty-five uh for a long time, if ever, in landscape photography, and I think that's a shame because there are so many cool photos cool opportunities uh, in landscapes in that range um it's not all about wide i mean sure if you're starting out you should probably start wide but um you should really quickly start looking at um at something a little bit more telephoto if you've you've probably got a nifty 50 maybe start with that but uh 85 is super cool and uh underrated i think as a landscape lens i think for literally any of the topics that we're talking about today mm mm-hmm. If
0: you already have a camera and a couple lenses and you're asking what lens should I get next? My mm-hmm. answer is going to be something more telephoto than you have now. I think yeah. the problem that a lot of beginner photographers have is they shoot too wide. Um like if they have a 20, that 24 to 70, they stay on the 24 end mm-hmm. and they forget to zoom in to the 70 end. Um Unless, like, they need the distance. In which case, if you need the distance, maybe you should be walking closer to the subject. Um, Or, conversely, actually, you should be walking away from the subject and zooming in and getting more of that compression. Because uh, good photography is not necessarily about what's in the frame, but it's also about what you choose to leave out of the frame.
1: Definitely. Um, They can't
0: see you nodding on the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: uh that's true bad bad for uh audio <laughs> uh yeah um any th- i think you're exactly right any um going any telephoto from where you are as a beginner is is the way to go um just super you're... generic advice regardless yeah. but yeah unless you're starting telephoto for some bizarre reason i've never heard of anybody who's done that. most people don't start there yeah, <laughs> yeah. Telephoto kit kit lenses don't start at 300. That's not... <laughs> no. <laughs> um, uh, something else a little bit on the wide end. Astrophotography. Um, so this one... Uh, I have I zero s-
0: experience with, so take it away. I so have I, no idea. I know I've, there's a lot of like scientific calculation about like, how fast the stars move and ISO and stuff like that, but I've mm-hmm. never really got into it.
1: Yeah, so astro is uh, something I've done a little bit of. Um, basically... You want to shoot just about as wide as you can possibly get away with. I mean, this and this pretty much stays the that way no matter what you're doing. You're going to want to stay wide. So uh, I ten, as close you, as you can get to 15 millimeters-ish would be the ideal for astrophotography. I will say, though, that I have, um, I think it's a 14 millimeter prime uh, that's a pretty decent little prime, but I actually shoot now all of my astro stuff with the 17 to 28 tamron um it's just fast enough and wide enough i don't really care about that extra two millimeters um so you want generally if you're trying to save money looking at primes because a prime is
0: going to save you money over an equivalently wide
1: zoom yeah the prime was Um, way cheaper so i got the 14 mil prime first and that was a fraction of what the 17 to 28 was um the, so the other thing cheaper. that
0: primes do is like i have a 20 prime but mm-hmm. it uh, it opens much farther than uh like a than a 17 to 40 would
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah primes certainly if you're starting out and you're trying to save money get a prime oh and get manual uh for astro uh, autofocus basically doesn't matter slash hurts you more than it would ever help Um, so even if you have an autofocus lens, uh, when you're shooting Astro, you turn it off anyway. So, uh, don't bother buying a lens. Like if it's, if it's a manual prime lens for, and you're shooting Astro, just go for it. It doesn't matter. (laughs)
0: And if um, you know you're going to be shooting a lot of astro, you can save a lot of money by buying an older lens that is manual. That's still a high quality lens. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Just it's missing the feature of like image stabilization and autofocus, which you don't need anyway.
1: Yeah, and, and for astro, really the 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 thing that matters is one that it's wide and two that it's as fast as you can possibly afford. So I wouldn't shoot astro with really anything under Less a like 28 two eight. Yeah, yeah like a 28 at the at the worst um anything uh wider than that anything faster than that is better um you know that's pretty much how it goes with astro as far as like how long you should expose your your frame for all that kind of stuff you're just going to have to look up a calculator um there are depending on your particular um the particular uh, length of the lens that you're using, there are different calculations. Just look it up. There's lots of calculators out there that are super easy to tell you exactly how long you should expose for without getting any star trails, unless you want star trails. Um, Yes. So look all that stuff up, but pretty much wide, as fast as you can afford, that's Astro. That's
0: if you want to see the whole galaxy and all the little dots. Otherwise, if you want them to smear in those Mm -hmm. kind of like motion-type, more artsy... Less scientific, if you
1: will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, then you can expose for as long as you want.
0: (laughs) Uh, Architecture. And I I would say architecture comes in two forms. There Mm -hmm. is like real estate photography, which is I'm in this room and I need to show off the room. And -hmm. then there is like building photography where -hmm. uh, where, like you're outside looking at this thing. And of course, you do build both in that same thing but uh i i would have different recommendations for the two different um lenses uh i think my first recommendation is no matter what make sure it's rectilinear Mm -hmm. so when you go really wide um there's on one end of the extreme fish eye but then there are lenses that they're not but if they're not rectilinear they will bow a little bit so all of your straight lines curve at the edges and you definitely don't want that for architecture it will distort your image so rectilinear just means that uh it will look a little bit goofy of of a foot will you know stretch out half the frame once you start getting to the corners but they'll stay as straight lines
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah hugely important so yeah rectilinear anything that is a a must (laughs) Uh, I don't think you could. um, You can correct. I I will say, like, if you're on a super tight budget and you've got something wide that isn't rectilinear, um, you know, that gets distorted, you can correct for that to some degree in Lightroom and Photoshop. You correct,
0: you distort, you de sphere, and then you crop in all of your lost edges. But um, then you're also zooming in on that, which is probably something else that you're not looking to do um so yeah architecture super wide 1635 is is gonna be pretty good for you um the other thing that i would say is tilt shift so tilt shifts are specifically meant for this they are meant for perspective control so Uh, if you're not used to shooting with the tilt shift, you know, when you stand outside a tall skyscraper and you look up and at the base, it's super, super wide. And as you look up, it turns into a tiny little needle. Well, a tilt shift will kind of unbow that. So Mm -hmm. it looks, it doesn't look like it's coming to a point and it looks like it's staying straight up. Um, if you're shooting real estate photography, uh, a lot of people don't, get tilt shifts because they are quite pricey uh but make sure that you fix that in post so uh the room doesn't look like it's falling in on you uh it just kind of gives this weird uneasy feelings when your verticals aren't straight lines um but if you are doing just architecture photography and you're asking what lens should i buy tilt shift get a tilt shift
1: yeah, tilt shifts aren't only for making things look like toys, although that's a particularly popular. That is what use a lot of people
0: use for them. Yeah, yeah,
1: they're they're really their their real uh, ability. You get to see the best in architecture. Is perspective you get control? To, yeah, yes. You get to control that perspective and make everything look um, look correct and and remove a lot of that perspective that uh, would normally exist. It's a really interesting look, and it's it's something that I feel like almost is like if you do if you use a tilt shift lens right for that kind of use many people don't even notice like yes. just, it just it, it looks so natural that you kind of unless you were looking at the same you know the, the photo with with uh, perspective perspective distortion and without you would you wouldn't necessarily see what actually was done so that's kind of the 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 beauty of tilt shift is it's one of those things where if you did your job right um, Nobody will notice, and, the, uh, and that's why you pay tons and tons of money for a tilt shift lens. It's a very I'm, cool am I'm,
0: I'm going to throw in a uh, – we, we have hit the end of our list, but I'm going to throw mm-hmm. in a bonus use for tilt shifts. A lot of product photographers I know use tilt shifts. So product photography uh, is not one of the genres that we've talked about because there can be small tabletop, there can be clothing, there's all, you know, I would, I would lump clothing in more with the portraits and use those lens choices. I would lump the tabletop in more with the macro and use Mm -hmm. then those lens choices. Um, but when you're shooting, you know, bottles or, or things that have angles, um, I, a lot of the work that I did for Intel and Nintendo, um, though they have these kind of boxy things with straight lines and you don't want any of that kind of caving in on itself. You want those straight lines to look straight. Um, so a lot of the product photographers that I know shoot tilt shift, for, for the same reason that you would do it with a building. You want all of your lines to look the way that they were actually designed. And you don't want the kind of odd perspective that shooting with a camera gives you. Yeah,
1: Definitely. So that I think with a a special bonus category uh, sums up all of our different genres of photography and the lenses that uh, we think you should start out with. If you're going to work in that space, as always, this depends on your style and, uh, the kind of things that you shoot. But if you're a beginner, I think this is a good place to get you started. You should always do research. And it's actually a good idea, I think, to find somebody, um, like, you know, find a street photographer, find an automotive, automotive photographer, find somebody that's doing work that you, uh, in a style that you think is really cool, that you want to, to emulate or learn and see what they shoot with and go from there. But I think this is a good starting point for all of these different categories.
0: Absolutely. Um, the other thing that, Last thing I would say Mm. is if you own a lens and it is the wrong lens, it doesn't mean you can't shoot that. Try Mm. it. If you own a 50, don't think you have to go out and buy a lens before you start shooting portraits of people start shooting portraits. And then when you are at a point where your taste has now gone, gotten this high, we've talked about this before uh, then you're like, you know what? I really hate the kind of perspective that I'm getting. I need that uh, closer up telephoto lens. So there will be times where you you have a kit right now. That's the reason mm-hmm. you're listening to this podcast. That's the reason that you are asking these questions. You have something. Start with mm-hmm. the thing you own. Um, And then if you need something, go ahead and look at these recommendations. But yeah, give it a shot. Yeah, I mean, I've shot wide-angle portraits i've shot telephoto landscapes it works
1: and who knows you might come up with a cool uh style um using your you know incorrect lens uh that you wouldn't have come up with at all if you'd had the so-called correct one so definitely experiment there are no real right answers with any of this stuff there is there's a lot of space for experimentation and uh trying new things here so these are uh, kind of a general guide but feel yeah. free to break the rules a little bit try with you know so, so-called you know substandard I, I choices think it's and see these are
0: get. i think it's these are the rules and once you've learned the rules feel free to break them yeah if you have thing. no idea where to start start with this and mm-hmm. the, these work for a reason And then Mm -hmm. once once you've gotten into that and you want to use your creativity and use a different lens, knock yourself out. Do it. Awesome. Uh, So I hope you guys enjoyed a little bit of this gear baiting episode where we talk (laughs) about uh, new lenses and what you should shoot for all these different genres of photography. Um, I love that we actually got some questions for this one. So if you have a question uh we would love to answer it we can turn it into a whole episode uh you can shoot us some info and uh i don't know what we're talking about next time but i'm sure we'll be answering one of your questions
1: yeah we'll figure it out and in the meantime lawa please send us a probe lens we would love <laughs> <laughs> we would love it so much <laughs> Seriously, oh. Google that. Like After you listen to this episode, Google Lawa Problems. It's, it's so and be, weird, and I love be it. Be blown away by the weird wonderfulness of it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for listening and joining us on the show today. Send in your questions. We would be thrilled to turn them into an episode, and we will see you next time. If you have questions or ideas for future episodes,
0: you can email us at hello at photo op. Show.
1: Watch us on Ben's YouTube channel at Creative. As in om nom nom. Share this with a friend and you can listen to photo op anywhere podcasts are sold. Or download it. Cause it's free.